Hey, this is Matthew Lilly. Welcome to the Presence Pioneers podcast. All right, welcome to today's episode. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Today we have Jonathan Tremaine Thomas with us. He is a friend of mine. He has been involved in the prayer movement in various ways with the call. He's been a pastor in St. Louis. He's been involved in pursuit of justice. He's got a ministry called Civil Righteousness and excited to talk to him today. If you're new to the podcast, the Presence Pioneers podcast exists to equip presence-centered communities to worship and pray night and day. So this is aimed at communities like Houses of Prayer, Burn 24-7 Furnaces, praying churches, praying groups, Uh, We want to encourage you as worshipers, intercessors, and leaders. So if you're a part of a community like that and this podcast is helpful to you, I encourage you to share it with your community. If it encourages you, challenges you, strengthens you, it'll probably encourage your community as well. So any way that you can like things, comment, review online, share things on social media, all of that helps us. And ultimately, it strengthens the prayer movement. So you can subscribe to stay connected with us. And you can uh, go to our website, which is podcast.presencepioneers.org. We have all of our previous episodes up there, show notes, more information about our ministry, and you can stay connected with us that way. All right, JT, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's such an honor to be here, brother. Man, yeah, thank you. I I just wanted to share real quick, it just came to my mind how I first heard about you. I grew up in Greenville, North Carolina. And you went to school at East Carolina University, which is there in Greenville, North Carolina. And when I started, come on. (laughs) (laughs) And so when I started a house of prayer and started doing prayer gatherings and burn gatherings there in Greenville, there were people that you went to school with who we were going to church with. And they kept saying, you've got to connect with JT. You've got to connect with JT. He's crazy about prayer like you are. (laughs) And uh, it took us a couple of years, I think, to finally connect. But here we are. And so anyway, it's, it's awesome to have you here. So you are the leader of Civil Righteousness, which I looked up is a ministry that is pursuing reconciliation and restorative justice through spiritual, cultural, and economic renewal. So we can dive into that. I know you've been involved in prayer and ministry, but you're, you have a heart for justice as well. I believe you're a prophetic voice to the nation, but Maybe just give us some backstory, share just a kind of a quick bio overview. How did you get to where you are? Obviously, East Carolina's in there somewhere, but what's your journey? Yeah, well, you know, I was at ECU and it was such a profound time in my life coming out of the missionary Baptist church tradition, entering into the college campus. And, you know, you, you kind of have two ways to go in college. You either go fully after God or you just run in the opposite direction. And by the grace of God, I met an ECU football player when I was uh, a freshman, and I I had had a really profound encounter with God over the summer between my high school and college year, uh, freshman year. And this football player walked all over the campus just singing praise to Jesus. He was just like unashamed worshiper, loved Jesus, really popular because he's a college football player. And uh, he invited me. I just saw the joy of the Lord on him. And he invited me to his Bible study. And he began to disciple me. And it was such a gift. I discerned a call into vocational ministry at a young age, but I didn't want to do it. I avoided it. 
And it was actually, I was a junior uh, there in Greenville, North Carolina, when a young man who looked a lot like me, same height, same complexion, same build, he tapped on my car window and I kind of cracked it. And he said, hey, bro, do you want to buy some weed? And I was like, nah, man, I'm good. I serve Jesus. I don't need that. And he says, no, I'm going to ask you one more time. Do you want to buy some weed? And he had his hand in his kind of hoodie and I could see kind of the silhouette of a gun. And it was so confusing because I'm like, are you are you robbing me? Like, is this a, a transaction forced by gunpoint or do you just want my yeah. money? You know, right. Before I knew what happened, the Holy Spirit had taken over me and I was standing outside of my car. I'd opened my door and I got face to face with the guy. And it just kind of erupted out of me. I said, you don't know who I am, do you? And I said, no, you don't know who you are, do you? And he goes, whoa. And he kind of backed up and he said, are you preaching to me? Are you, are you really seriously preaching to me right now? And he pulls out a wad of cash. Like he probably had two or $3,000 and $100 bills right there. And he threw it on the ground and he says, if you want to talk to me about heaven and hell, let me tell you what hell is. He says, hell is seeing your mom being prostituted. Hell is hiding under the bed as men are coming in all night. Hell is being four years old and not knowing where your food is coming from. And he, he basically describes to me the, the kind of quintessential urban inner city crisis conundrum, like the whole story. And that exchange, which should have lasted maybe 40 seconds, turned into four hours. And at the end of it, he gave his life to Christ. And the Lord said very clearly, to me right there in that parking lot. He said, you'll do this for the rest of your life. You'll love the guns out of their hands. Wow. And that started me on a whirlwind journey. Now, obviously, we were praying and contending for revival on the campus there in Greenville. And uh, we saw some incredible, incredible fruit and, and powerful demonstration of God's power. But I left ECU, ended up going through a school of ministry in Nashville, Amazing things happened there. Got sent to Indianapolis, Indiana, and accidentally, my wife and I accidentally found ourselves in this really crazy prophetic journey that gave birth to a prayer movement in the city and also ended up raising up a house of prayer. From there, I got hired from the call to mobilize stadium gatherings and solemn assemblies around the, the country. And then Ferguson broke out in a little town, a suburb of St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, it broke out in civil unrest and, and the Holy Spirit sovereignly invited us to a work there. And some amazing stories ensued from that. And, and that's where we live today. Yeah, that's amazing. So how long have you been in Ferguson now, or St. Um, Louis area? Yeah, we, we came temporarily in 2014 for about 50 days. And we pitched a, a tent of worship there in the middle of the, the crisis. We sent evangelism teams out three times a day. We really experienced an unprecedented move of God in the midst of it. And from that, we knew we had an ongoing work of discipleship and continuing to help bind up the brokenhearted, you know, Isaiah 61. And so we moved, we, we actually went back, packed up our home in Indianapolis after that kind of 50-day period of time. We moved in February of 2015, so we've been in St. Louis now. In February, it'll be five years. Yeah, that's amazing. So I know some of the story in Ferguson. Give us some encouragement. We've got a lot of you know worshipers and intercessors that tune into the podcast. 
Yeah. Speak to us about how, if you don't mind, how worship and prayer had an impact in the midst of that crisis that was happening in Ferguson, if you, if you don't mind. Hey guys, this is Matthew. We'll get back to the episode in just a moment. If you're enjoying the podcast, please consider joining Presence Pioneers Premium, our brand new subscriber community. Paid subscribers will get exclusive premium content such as bonus podcast episodes, exclusive articles, early releases, and more. Presence Pioneers will be releasing its first e-course in 2024 with many more to come. And the Presence Pioneers premium subscribers will always have full access to the entire library of online courses. Visit media.presencepioneers.org or click the link in the description to join today. You can become a premium member today for an introductory price of only $5 a month. When the price goes up in the future, as our library of resources grows, you can stay subscribed at the original price. If you've enjoyed our podcast for a while, becoming a premium member is a simple way for you to help us cover the cost of producing this podcast and partner with Presence Pioneers in equipping the church with resources for day and night prayer, prophetic worship, missions, and revival. Visit media.presencepioneers.org to sign up today. Yeah, well, I think there were several really surprising revelations. First was in the worship and prayer and revival movements, we prayed for awakening. And a lot of times we don't understand that God is great. God is good. He's, he's a good father and he's a joyous father, but he's also a judge. And the glory of God that comes in the manifestation of repentance, repentance is a supernatural manifestation of God's glory that's just as weighty and as amazing as supernatural manifestations of physical healings and backs and all these different things. When crisis comes on the land that brings repentance, the glory of God has come on the land. So hmm. sometimes we pray for awakening and we're praying for a great awakening, but not realizing that awakening has come in the form of a rude awakening. What happened is in the midst of Ferguson, chaos is in the streets. And yet I step on the ground and I feel weighty glory like I've never felt before in my life, like never in my life. And this is out of all, all, all types of charismatic glory meetings, you know, and I'm going, the glory of God is here. What does this mean? Mm. So the, the second revelation was that in Matthew 5, it talks about blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the sons of God. And the Lord instructed us to really create a living room for him in the midst of the chaos and the crisis. So we put um, eight to 12 hours of worship a day on the altar in a tent on the streets. And as we were going out and just engaging in conversations with police officers and conversations with activists, we found a supernatural grace coming upon the intercessors to suddenly go from prayer with God's heart, rending your heart, to now becoming evangelists and having the ability to release the oil that was needed at the heart level for those who were hurting in the streets. 
So this peacemaking grace we found was actually a governmental grace, that there's a a place of authority that we ascend to in prayer and worship and standing in his counsel. Then there's actually real governmental peace, a violent peace, if you will, which, you know, we, we look at in Romans, the God of peace will soon crush Satan. That peace is actually a weapon of war. And that there is a supernatural grace and manifestation of peace that manifests when the intercessor takes their intercession from being a remote intercession to a proximate intercession where you actually stand in the place where there's chaos and violence and where it could actually cost you something, even your life. When you stand in that place where there is no peace, the prerequisite for becoming a peacemaker is going to where there is no peace. And then loosing the Prince of Peace in that place with your body on the line, with your life on the line. So God had us stand in between the police and the activist and invoke the name of Jesus and invite his presence and worship him in that place. And we begin to see supernatural, literally, we saw the government of God, of the increase of his government and of peace, there shall be no end. We begin to see the manifestation of Isaiah 9, the prophetic governance of God that's on the shoulders of Jesus literally take over atmospheres of violence and dissipate violence. And the authorities in the land, the civil authorities saw it and recognized it to the point that they put our security team on their police frequency and said, wherever things are breaking out beyond our control, get those Jesus people. They started calling us the Jesus people and say, get those Jesus people to come and sing hymns. So we saw salvations, healings, deliverances, supernatural miracles, signs in the heavens, literally the skies would bear witness on various things that we're doing night after night. And then from that, God began to give us a platform in other cities, Charleston, where the nine were tragically killed, Charlottesville, Virginia, where Heather Heyer was killed through the white supremacist rally, Dallas, uh, Texas, Minnesota, Wisconsin, all these cities that civil unrest began to break out. God began to help us kind of mobilize and train intercessors to insert themselves as peacemakers. Wow. I love it. Proximate intercession. You know, that's what Jesus did, isn't it? I mean, his intercession wasn't just his words. It was his life. He came and, and, and got in our mess and got in the middle of the crisis of humanity and, and yeah. stood stood in the gap literally with his life for us. And so I think as, as intercessors, we, we need to be willing to do that. We need to be willing to put our lot, not, you know, not just our words, but our lives, that they would be acts of intercession. And so it's challenging. I think also the, I love the idea of, of just getting in the middle of it. We do that with burn 24 seven a lot. I mean, we go into the what's it called, Haunted Happenings Festival up in Salem, Massachusetts, where they have Mm -hmm. the massive Halloween festival with all the witches and pagans and people that are just partying, and we just do nonstop worship and prayer. And I mean, I think that's great. I think that God's really inviting the church into that. Into I mean, that's why we're seeing tents and stadiums and all these public expressions of the prayer movement popping up too, I think, is it's, it's more than just sort of being in our room and doing that, but it's actually taking the presence of God into the darkness. So, well, you know, one of one of the the key parts of this story that sometimes I forget to tell publicly, but 
it was only possible, we were only able to do this because the Gateway House of Prayer in St. Louis had been priesting for years and gaining authority in the heavens over the region. And when I showed up, the leader of the House of Prayer there had been on a 21-day fast. And the day that I arrived, she had just told the staff that she felt like God wanted the House of Prayer to shut their doors and to take what they were doing, the tabernacle, out into the streets somewhere in the city. And she said, I think maybe we should pitch a tent somewhere in St. Louis. Well, Mm -hmm. I show up literally maybe 10 minutes after she had told the staff that. And I walk in the room and they said, JT, what's the word of the Lord? And I said, I think we should pitch a big tent in Ferguson. And it was it was like the blood like drained from their faces. They couldn't believe it. But it was yeah. a confirmation of what the Lord had spoken. And so this this idea of the mobile the mobile tabernacle taking what's in the secret place into the public place into the center of crisis was really a God thing. And now obviously we're seeing it manifest in greater ways through Awaken the Dawn and other you know movements. For sure, that's amazing. Well, I think that's going to be about it for this episode. I'd love for you to just pray over anybody that that watches this, listens to this, just maybe even on that point that that our our lives would be intercession, that our worship and our prayer would become public and that God would send us into those places. Would you just pray for everybody? Absolutely. Father, I thank you for the Davids that you are preparing on the hillsides, the Davids, God, in the in the unknown places who are winning battles in secret. And God, we know that all of creation is groaning as in the pains of childbirth to see the sons and daughters of God, to see them revealed. And Lord, I'm asking now that you would lose grace and boldness on the church of this age. Lord, in this hour, you would stir our hearts. God, help us to have a ready yes in our spirit to go where you say go and to do what you would have us do, and that you would raise up, that you would release, Lord, throngs of peacemakers, even in 2020, Lord, that we would be those who who bring governmental grace, Lord, to our cities, our neighborhoods, our towns, Lord, and even nations, God, that every place that we walk would literally be subdued under the, the leadership and the grace and the sway of your government, Lord Jesus, I pray. Thank you. Thank you for these ones. And thank you for doing it in our day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome. Thanks so much, JT. Um, Thanks for everybody for tuning in today. If you enjoyed it, again, please feel free to share it with your friends or on social media. And as always, you can connect with us at presencepioneers.org. Thanks. God bless.